1: Furthermore, one remains mindful of the quality of the mind in reference to the Four Noble Truths. Remain mindful of knowing that this is stress, this is the origination of stress, this is the cessation of stress, and this is the Eightfold Path leading to the cessation of stress. A while ago, I was watching a video of a Japanese house carpenter building a house. I realized, as I was watching it, <clears throat> that is a, a perfect metaphor for the Dharma. Um, Japanese houses are built in, in what we'd call timber frame, which is um, short timbers joined together in frames, posts. Um, and because this is earthquake country, they use short timbers and they join them together with um, very integrated and very um, tight joints, which gives the whole structure some movement. And anyway, this is why. Um, and as, as I was watching this, fellow in his workshop laying out the beams and the joints in them, um, I was just struck by the, the, the skillfulness of it um, and the care that was done there. Uh, all these joints are laid out in, in very uh, complicated um, systems interlocking planes and all that. Um, The man spend the first hour of every day just sharpening his tools. And when these joints go together you can't even get a a sheet of paper in between them. And then later on we see how all these um, timbers go to the worksite and they're put together. (coughs) you know, you find the right joints are all marked, you set them together, the joint goes together, holes are drilled through it, pegs driven in there, and the whole structure grows like that. Um, and the Dharma is like that in, in, in my experience when you first come to it you can't quite make sense of all the all the elements that you that you see in front of you that you're being told that you're being taught but as things progress you start to see how these pieces interlock and form a structure, and <clears throat> it, it's a structure of just um, marvelous complexity, but it's also it's a structure. It, it's a functioning whole. We've been we've been building this over the years, but also in, in, this, uh, in this retreat, we've been finding sections, and we've been carrying them in, we've been showing them to, to the Sangha, and we've been finding the place in the structure where this thing fits, and we put it together drive a peg through it and there it is and you're a little closer to to having this this house, this place of refuge Um, so today we're on the ground floor and we're looking at the foundation. And we are looking at what exactly supports this beautifully constructed place where we have found refuge. the foundation the bedrock of the teachings are the four noble truths everything (coughs) rests on them and everything returns to them When Siddhartha Gautama describes the reason, the impetus for his relentless search as an unawakened bodhisattva, he says this in the Nagara Sutta. The world is born, it ages, it dies, it falls away and returns. So at that time, he already sees the reality of life quite clearly. He doesn't have an issue here. His issue and his impetus for his search is this, his words. But there is no understanding of the ending of the stress and suffering of aging and death. So he's looking for understanding, not so much of aging and death, but of the stress and suffering that we experience when we encounter this. So birth, sickness, aging, and death. Getting what you don't want, not getting what you want. That's a given for him. He knows this. And for someone who was very thoroughly sheltered from these realities in the palace, to still see that clearly, speaks of the, the penetrating intelligence of Siddhartha But he realized his deep dissatisfaction and discontent that was always there, even in that luxurious, beautiful, comfortable world that his parents had constructed for him. And then, when he sneaked out of the palace at night and saw the unvarnished reality of life outside, he must have been shocked. (coughs) He must have been shocked to see that same dissatisfaction and discontent with life in the eyes of those who faced birth, sickness, aging, and death head on every day of their lives. So the first noble truth was really a no-brainer for him and it should be for us too unless we are blinded by not understanding the second level truth. Clinging and craving, wanting things to be different than they are, is the root cause of our dissatisfaction and our discontent. So the bad news is we are the cause we have nowhere to go for redress the good news is we are the cause therefore the solution of the issue is within our own domain which brings us to the most underestimated truth of the Four Noble Truths. The third one, which states, we can end this dissatisfaction and discontent for ourselves, by ourselves, permanently, in this lifetime. It's an easy truth not to want to deal with, and not wanting to deal with the Third Noble Truth has kind of been the downfall of Buddhism as it progressed through the ages. Not too long after the Buddha's death, a debate arose whether or not an awakened one could be corrupted, whether he or she could go back to an unawakened state. Once you start having doubts here, and if this doubt spreads through the Sangha and through the monasteries, Buddhism lost its effectiveness in awakening human beings. If you're no longer willing to see the truth of the third noble truth, you may as well go home. Have beer. And how, <clears throat> do you ask, how, how am I supposed to realize the ending of my dissatisfaction and discontent? For that, Siddhartha Gautama gave us the fourth noble truth. The path leading to the ending of our dissatisfaction and discontent is the Noble Eightfold Path. Right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right meditation. The Buddha's words. We may mindful of knowing that this is stress, this is the origination of stress, this is the cessation of stress, and this is the eightfold path leading to the cessation of stress. This is our daily minute to minute practice reminding ourselves gently that these are our developing understandings and this is the path the Buddhist words in this way one remains mindful of the quality of mind in and of itself, internally and externally. One remains mindful of the phenomenon of the origination of qualities of mind, their arising and passing away. So even in mindfulness, the Four Noble Truths play a role. We can see this mindfulness arising, and we can see it passing away. There is knowledge of the maintenance of qualities of mind in their recollection, independent of and not clinging to anything in the world. This is how one remains mindful of the four noble truths in and of themselves. section to my mind is totally unique to the Buddhist teachings because here you hear a human being speaking from experience and teaching with unbounded compassion giving this promise, this assertion. Now, excuse me, I get a little forgot from time to time.
0: Group hug, Rome. Yeah. <clears throat> these, these are... <laughs> This is how you feel, the dollar.
1: Just Mm -hmm. monumental words. You see now why I can't buy you? (laughs) (laughs) You think I can get through it? (laughs) Well, (laughs) you've been able to do this too, but you have a bit more experience. Now, if anyone develops these four foundations of mindfulness in this manner for seven years one could expect either complete understanding here and now or if there's any clinging and maintaining remaining in this present life let alone seven years If anyone perfectly develops these four foundations of mindfulness in this manner for six or five or four or three or two or one year, for one month, for two weeks, for seven days, one could expect either complete understanding here and now, or... (coughs) if there is any clinging and maintaining remaining in this present life and then he returns to the beginning of this teaching this assertion friends This is the direct path for the purification of all beings. Any kind of person who takes to the dharma all beings. For the cessation of sorrow and regret. That third noble truth. For the disappearance of pain and distress establishing the right method of practice the Eightfold Path and for complete unbinding to in other words these four foundations of mindfulness this is what was said by the Buddha and hearing those words those assembled were gratified and delighted I would say shattered. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. Ah. Um. Yeah, these words go deep, and (coughs) to be able to still echo these teachings. After two and a half millennia, that, that's just hmm, it's a little overwhelming. It is. <coughs> Not only the responsibility to this on um, but also in 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 the face of um, how easily these these words were the meaning of these words were really lost it didn't take long It took was for those practitioners to really lose their mindfulness, which is why this is a full on practice. This is not something that you do once in a while in a retreat. Or even just the morning meditation or evening meditation. This is 24 hours. <clears throat> okay. Time to go around and see what See this affecting your practice? Mateo?
2: Thank you, Ram. Very good. And um, uh, what I take from, from,
1: from, uh, from your talk is uh, affect my practice in a way that I'm not anymore scared or worry about sufferance mm. so I tried to integrate that in every moment in my life but not in a very pessimistic way just like acknowledge its existence mm. and reflect on that mm. and, and it it, it made it make me happier and serene yeah. somehow yes there is a um Yeah, it's almost an optimism that, that comes out of that um, that you don't need to be affected by by what you uh, even, even the the, uh, the the events in your life and, and what you see around you um, you realize that They are just there. And um, you don't really need them to be any different than they are. Because by now you've seen the effect of wanting to be, wanting things to be different than they are. You're starting to realize that second noble truth. And um, that's uh, a beginning point to to a good practice. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, Laura?
2: Hi, how are you? Thank okay. you so much. I really like that you talked about um, the metaphor of Japanese timber framing, mm-hmm. which in my limited understanding, it, it seems to be a process of like maintaining a closer relationship to nature and kind of discovering what can come out of, you know, just a single piece of wood when mm-hmm. you're building. Um, so it just made me think of, you know, when the, the seven factors of awakening unfold through meditation, you know, arising and passing away. The four noble truths are revealed and realized and exposed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you start bringing that into your practice, those those insights, those truths, um, that's the that is the minute-to-minute thing. Um, and it takes a while to to. Oh, it's what am I saying? It takes a while. It, it's a continuous integration of those things sometimes you know you you'll catch it once a day you know um, either one of the four um, but just to be mindful of the path those factors um, it takes a while to see those see why they're there I mean, and this is where where further study of, of the Dharma can can be very helpful is is necessary um, because if you first look at them, they look like uh, you know that's a lot to keep in mind. Um, but as you see, you know from from the, the description of those um, factors of awakening um, you can see the progression of how how that goes Um, it's not always in that order but um, recognizing them and being mindful of them is is a good experience because it will keep you going on this path The path is not easy. It it requires, uh, uh, as this sutta says, it requires constant mindfulness Mm -hmm. of a lot of factors. But the reward is there. The rewards come very soon. Slav, how are you? Good to see you back again. Uh doing good, thank you it was very um, interesting uh, to be honest with you I read and heard about Four Noble Truth, uh I don't know, so many times mm. but I think before you uh, mention it it's kind of like a little bit eyes open for me how it's related to practice because I never think this way how it's followed, but really related to meditation practice. Thank you. Which is very Yeah. Yeah. It it um. It first comes across as, as a, a series of pretty dry statements, but they are the foundation of everything that you do. In your practice, if you lose track of that, um, your practice is going to go awry, and and it will not lead you there. Um, but it's it's good to translate them for yourself too, in into your into your reality. See where they see how they fit, and see how they how this really supports your, your practice and how this will get you to the goal of calm and peace and awakening these are these are not theories these are practical statements Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: John? Uh, why don't you let me pick up the rear? <laughs> I can just go right to the Pihir Okay. Can I just, sorry, we have to leave at noon. Uh-huh. So I just wanted to say thank you so much. You're
2: welcome. Um,
1: thank you for your the presence.
3: The world can feel really dark sometimes and it's easy to go dark Mm -hmm. and I feel like especially listening to you talk about the third noble truth,
1: Mm -hmm.
3: I was super emotional listening to you because it just something really made sense Mm -hmm. and it felt like lightness so being part of this group really feels like a lightness Mm -hmm. in a complicated world so just thank you for letting us
1: participate. Thank you for uh, being here (coughs) and thank you for your contributions. And we all hope to see you again. Thank you. Thank you. Can you say anything else? There we go. I'm what I got.
3: how you feel when it's good and how you feel when you're agitated is accepting every moment mm-hmm. and then eventually you're accepting life as it is right. so it's like that one piece of wood you were talking about mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. accepting every moment eventually is the greater right. accepting of life yeah. so I really got that from what you were saying.
1: See where the pieces fit. Yeah. <laughs> Just the pleasure of, of, you know, fitting one understanding into another one and, and, and realizing that this was um, brought together by a human being like, like you and I. One breath at a time. Right? Yeah, one breath at a time. A very smart human being, I, I agree. But um, he keeps telling us here, you can, you can do this. This is yeah. not just for, the, you know, the, the higher beings, the gods, whatever. No, this is, this is a path for human beings with all their flaws and, and, and all their baggage. Um, hope to see you soon.
0: Thank you for joining us. Just know that me and the other teachers are always available to you outside of class, too. If you have any questions, just send us an email look forward to seeing you again
2: soon. Bye. Right. Uh, it was interesting to have this. I think I came into this, or um, the chronology in my head is like starting here Four Noble Truths and the Equal Path. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to have this um, at the end. Um, But it does bring it all together, because everything stems from here. It also takes a lot of complex discussion that's happened this weekend, and really it's these four things, you know, and so if you're making a list of anything, Mm -hmm. go with these four, including the Eightfold path, um, to guide your life, so, it's just very helpful, Um, you know, the importance of recognizing, I think it's been said in many different ways. Uh, the craving and clinging that you're doing mm-hmm. to um, delay the cessation of suffering. Easier said than done, mm-hmm. um, but.
1: But these, um, these are the things that hit you.
2: Yeah, yeah, so very yeah. Cute. These are the little
1: <laughs> alarm bells that go off. Ooh, yep. Argh. Exactly.
2: So thank <laughs> you okay. very much for your teaching. You're
0: Kevin. Rob, well, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, really. Uh, some great insight in in here as as we sort of take our deep dives into pieces of the dhamma to always remember that the overarching context of the life experience and of the dhamma is within and, of the and, and that is very uh, those are very warm and inspiring words as the buddha gives you sort of these times and says mm-hmm. well one of these times and a lifetime so it's it's you know, you will keep going through this practice, and you will keep, you know, understanding stress, understanding the origination of stress, understanding the experience of stress, of, of cessation of stress on the path, and that, that is what it all returns to, and uh, that's just well, well imitated there, so thank you.
1: Solid foundation.
0: Yeah. Um, um. <clears throat> Just like you'd said earlier Mm. in the talk, uh, you know, this this is from a human being. Mm. And this is from a human being's Mm. direct experience. And I really appreciate how you teach from your experience. Mm. Mm. With with everything that comes.
1: David and to think, after the
0: Buddha decided to go teach, the first person
3: he ran, in, ran into said, "Eh, I've heard of some of this already," <laughs> right. and he could have just quit. Right. But Captain Ahab was his five friends and they saw there was a difference i mm-hmm. am very mindful
1: of that in formal truths each day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Teaching. yes and, and for all of us there's been this uh, this moment where we realize that uh, whoever's pre- preaching on this street corner it uh, has got something going. Um, and, um, that guy
3: over there. <laughs> Kevin. Thank you so much. It's such a beautiful way to help us understand this. And it's a beautiful image. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you
3: know, this sutta, if it were the only sutta we had, it is complete. It's the complete It's A complete, dama, it's a complete yep. teaching. There is nothing that needs to be added to it. Um, it is the hardwood, and it is that wood that we built these houses mm-hmm. out of. Yeah. It is truly the hardwood. Fortunately, we do have many others with this. you know, but, and they—they're really the roots. You know, no. how did I come to this? How did this happen? And then there are the, the branches and the flowers and the leaves and the. Mm-hmm. Food. And they're beautiful, and they, they just need the to do teaching. I remember the first time I read it, it was just, it took me hours and hours mm-hmm. and a day just to get through it and plow through it and go back and think, whoa, what am I missing? And where is it? But through mm-hmm. repetition of it, and understanding and coming here and teaching and listening to the Sangha. It just becomes so clear. Cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for your description of right effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <coughs> That's another one.
3: Tom? Um, first, thank you for the metaphor. Um, the imagery is exquisite and powerful. And, um, really help really help uh, understand um, the, this in the journey. And the second thing was, Thank you for your frankness about how hard it is to, to practice, that it's, you, you can't, it's not going to work half-assed, you know. Yep. you've got to be all in,
1: you know. but thank you for being so direct and clear on that. Jane? Thank you, Rob. I want to echo what
2: Matt said, there's an authenticity about your teaching, knowing your journey and it just makes it so much more real and like a, an inspiration.
1: Um. I've spent a lot of time in my life um, practicing <clears throat> teachings that that weren't genuine, that that didn't bring me to the goal. Um, so I've been, I've been very. I'm, I feel a, a great responsibility here because I've seen the other side of it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there 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 is a there's a weight in it. Yes, that um, gets
2: said mm-hmm. um, And I also wanted to say that um, my introduction to the practice was when Matt just said dukkha
1: exists. That's the first noble truth, mm-hmm. and
2: I'll never forget that. Uh-huh. Yeah, the
1: yeah. So. It, It's a simple statement. It is, but it's like that was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we just don't get to hear that. Um, and and it, it is the, the the beginning of of any any search of any path. Is you have to realize where you are and that where you are is okay.
2: Thank you. Thank you, you, Ron. Everyone else has said um, what an authentic teacher you are, and I would just like to echo that. Thank you. And thank you for Realizing, because of your experience, what a responsibility mm-hmm. you have, and you're carrying it out beautifully. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Last but not least, Brian. Oh, thank you. This
0: was, as everybody said, beautifully rendered. Um, directly experienced this Tuesday sitting in the orthopedics office telling me I needed to have my knee replaced and I'd never run again. Ah. And watching that entity or identification with a concept of who I was or Mm -hmm. who I am identifying it and identifying that clinging
3: just watching it cease Mm -hmm. and coming back to my
0: Powerful. Thank you. Thank you (sighs) all. No call. Yeah. Um. I uh, I'm overwhelmed, and it takes a lot to overwhelm this old goat. Uh, <clears throat> you exemplified all of our teachers, you do it in, in such a professorial way, but you also epitomize the gentleness that's required at the Dhamma. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy quality to cultivate, it takes a hell of a lot of courage. Mm-hmm takes a lot of right effort. I you always know, said if you want to look up right effort in the dictionary, you'll see Rom's picture, but you'll see all of ours. You'll see David's mm-hmm. too. Okay. Uh, I th- yeah, I'm going to try to not go too long. We've got a long retreat. Now, i got to acknowledge all of our teachers, and even, and not even, and especially Jen. Uh, her presence is here, whether she's physically here or not. The diversity of the presentation here has been remarkable. And what has made it remarkable is the consistency of the message that we've carried through. And that, uh, if I if I take any pride in being a teacher, and I do, uh, it's that teaching the Buddha's Dhamma has provided the opportunity for this type of diversity and this type of well-informed and deep focus on one single thing. John meditation. And it's remarkable. And so, it's just a little something most you might not realize that I do. Usually when I'm sitting there as I open one eye and I look around. <laughs> and I look around because I did it today. Because looking at all of you, and actually I had a different perspective because I'm looking at all of you and also looking directly outside at the world going by. We've done it. We've established a true refuge here. Mm. Uh, Nina was talking about how dark the world is. Isn't it remarkable that we were able to establish this and that young girl, their first time with us, was able to see the difference and their true refuge. Mm. And again, it's because we embody it. We don't just teach it. We don't tell people, go do this and go do that and be mindful, damn it. We teach them how to do it like the Buddha did, and it
1: works. And, and really we have works. our own our own examples to to share, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. which is hugely important. <clears throat> yeah, and it's because we're
0: all developing the same dhamma. That's why they, that's why everything we say is relevant to each other. Mm-hmm. We can touch it. We can own it that way. Excuse me. So I'm going to stop being such a wimp.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, this is uh, I was I was never an emotional person. Believe it or not, <clears throat> neither was I. And I think it really started coming out on my first retreats, right? That hit me. The commitment that everybody had on that retreat, but then thinking about the ministers at WAN and their supportive staff and how incredible they all are, even though they practice something completely different than ours, they've always treated us with respect, welcoming kindness. They even gave us an award for what we've done up there, which which is, I don't know that many people have gotten that. Uh, They've often said to me, Minister Kim, who I grew to be friends with, and Karen—that this is the this is the group that they look forward to, to serving every year, because they can just tell by the way we carry ourselves that we're doing something. They don't really know what we're doing, but they know we're doing something that's effective. They notice it, and all the other groups I've noticed, and all the other Buddhist groups I've been a part of, this is the one that I really want to be a part of, that I want to associate with. Um, so we learned a lot this weekend. I'm better. Um, and this Four Foundations of Mindfulness really is the, the, the foundation of the Buddhist Dharma. And it leads to this, but the interesting thing, the Bahiya Sutta is something I read on almost every uh, retreat. I fit it in. I wasn't planning on it because I really wanted to let this end with Ram. Uh, but by... Uh, by popular request, Kevin, and uh, agreement with Rob, I, I think it's appropriate. Absolutely. So the Buddha came across. The, the Buddha taught anyone who was interested. Uh, he was never too busy to teach, no matter what he was doing. And this is a good example of that, uh, kind of as almost as a side note of the Sutta. But also the the uh, the utter simplicity of his Dhamma comes through here. But he was someone who was obviously seeking and, and, and learning from all the different teachers in northern India and southern Nepal, much like the Buddha and the early sangha did. But when he heard the Buddha's words and heard his the countenance of it, he had an experience much like Nina did, and I would say we all did, listening to Ram and the other teachers. It's these these little um, uh, brief but explosive moments of awakening. And Bahia happened to have that, the, the complete awakening. Bahia was revered in his community as a person of great understanding. One day in seclusion, Bahia entertained the idea that he was an arahant, an enlightened being, but lacking in some key understanding. In meditation, a female diva told him that he was not yet an arahant. In fact, his current practice did not have the qualities that would give rise to enlightenment. And so the uh, divas and, and um, non-physical beings are used throughout the suttas as metaphor. And so the, the diva is always metaphor, and, and actually any metaphor, uh, Mara is another one that comes to mind used frequently, is always metaphor for something that's occurring in our mind. And of course the, we know that because the Buddha didn't teach to, to be focused on anything external. So he's always talking about working with the mind and he did use metaphors, much like Ram did, it was a genius metaphor, uh, in that way, to so just to point the way. Bahia asked the diva, or insight rose, rose within him, within, within him, which is what really occurred. If there was one in the world who knew the way to enlightenment, the diva told Bahia of the Arhat, a rightly self-awakened one, who teaches his dhamma. The Buddha was in Savatthi. And Bahia immediately left to find the Buddha and learn from him. He pa- he came upon a group of monks, and asked if they knew where the Buddha, where to find the Buddha. The monks told Bahia that the Buddha <clears throat> was on his alms round. He was, he was collecting his food for the day. Bahia went to town and came upon the Buddha. Bahia, fe- Bahia feared impermanence. He feared impermanence and uncertainty and was concerned that he or the Buddha might die before he received the Dhamma. The Buddha was serene and at peace. Bahia placed himself at the Buddha's feet and asked, Teach me the Dhamma, awakened one. Teach me the Dhamma for my long-term welfare and benefit. The Buddha replied, This is not the, the time, Bahia. I am on my alms round. Bahia pleaded, Awaken one. No one can know for sure the dangers there may be for you or for me. Teach me the Dhamma for my long-term welfare and happiness. A second time, the Buddha the Buddha responded, This is not the time, Bahia. I am on my alms round. Much like I do when I'm getting around food. Again, Bahia pleaded, awaken one. No one can know for sure the dangers there may be for you or for me. Teach me the Dhamma for my long-term welfare and benefit. Finally, the Buddha relented, I will teach you the Dhamma, listen carefully to my words. Train yourself in this manner, in what is seen, there is only the seen, in what is heard, there is only the heard, in what is sensed, there is only what is sensed, in what is cognized, there is only what is cognized. This is how you should train yourself. When for you, there is what it there is what is seen only the seen, and what is heard only the heard, and what is sensed only the sensed, and in what is cognized only the cognized, then Bahia, there is no you in connection with what is <coughs> excuse me, what is seen, heard, sensed, or cognized. There is no you there. When there is no you there, you are neither here nor there. Nor anywhere else. What a beautiful line. I'm neither here nor there nor anywhere else. What is the Buddha talking about? He's saying you don't need to keep establishing yourself in the world anymore. You're in it. There is only this, and this is the end of stress and suffering, stress and unhappiness. Upon hearing the words of the Buddha, Bahia's mind cleared. Clinging and grasping, greed and aversion ended and all self-referential views were extinguished on the spot. Bahia awakened, gaining full human maturity, the best description of awakening. Shortly after Bahia's encounter with the Buddha and his enlightenment, he was attacked and killed by a cow. The Buddha, upon hearing of Bahia's death, instructed some monks to retrieve the body and to cremate it properly and to prepare a memorial to Bahia. When completed, the monks, knowing Bahiya's awakening, asked the Buddha uh, asked the Buddha what Bahiya's future state would be. Again, see, they're, they're still not, not quite understanding the complete cessation. And they think there's got to be something more. Where's Bahiya going? Monks, Bahiya was wise. He practiced the Dhamma in accordance with the Dhamma. And this is one of my favorite lines in all the all the, the sutras. And he did not pester me with issues not related to the dhamma. This is something that has been coming up in our in our sangha lately that we're going to address in the, in the near future. But here, monks is but I'm sorry, monks, but here is totally unbound. By simply understanding to end the self-referential establishment of self, himself and every thought word, and deed, his mind cleared. Bahia is totally unbound. The Buddha continues, Where water, earth, fire, and wind, the four elements, have no footing, then the stars don't shine, the sun is invisible, then the moon does not appear, then darkness is not found, what is Nina referring to? And when a sage, a Brahmin, through great wisdom and discernment, has realized this for themselves, then form and form, form and formless, from bl- I'm sorry, I read that wrong, from form and formless, from bliss and pain, he is freed. It's the end of this beautiful Sutra, and the end of our retreat. Thank you all for being a part of it.